Hello, this is Coleman Luck. Thank you for listening to Dagon's Illusion. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you do us a favor? We'd appreciate it so much if you would review it wherever you're able, and also to share the link with your friends. We're trying to build an audience, and it would help us a great deal. Thank you. Dagon's Illusion, Episode 34, Day of Morgulas. Morning of the shrieking darkness, the heart of the hurricane made landfall, and through her vast shroud the spirit creature felt the first tiny wave of drawing down. It was the cancer in the soil that sapped her, diffused her, the invisible lines long concealed within the earth. Thus far you shall go, and no farther, this the proclamation of the hidden grid. Not since the skies had broken, and the fountains of the deep had overwhelmed the highest peaks, had spirits of ravening known true freedom on the earth. Though full dissipation was days away, she knew what her end would be. A thousand miles from landfall, her mighty deluge would be nothing but a summer rain, and her desperate hunger was unassuaged. If anything, it was far greater than when she had been chained in the pit beneath the sea. She screamed and shrieked, slashing the streets and buildings, pounding on the dikes with her mighty fists. What torture! To be allowed to smell a great feast, then be restrained from gorging. Her mind, connected to the serpent hive, knew that in other parts of the world, her sister Furies had been allowed to gorge on mounds of sweet human flesh. When they had descended on the land, a hundred thousand had perished, but even those feasts were nothing compared to the distant past. In her was the memory of the holy devouring, when she and her kin had roamed the earth, consuming all that lived. It had been a year of endless gorging, first upon the land, up to the highest mountains, then beneath the mighty ocean that had covered the whole earth. It was while she was feeding on the bottom that the chains had fallen upon her, the pit had opened and she had dropped shrieking into the prison of endless night. Since that awful moment, through all the millions of earth turnings, she had lusted for human flesh, and now, still raging with hunger, she felt the drawing down. If she succumbed, her spirit would be diffused and she would enter again the pit of darkness. There was only one alternative. Before that occurred, she must divide into ten thousand tiny forms and cloak her mighty power, darkening her awareness in sleep. Instead of great feasts, she must be content to suck life from the inside, to desiccate small morsels, all the while lost in a trance of unknowing, to hide herself from the great enemy who controlled the drawing down. But how was it to be accomplished? Though still mighty soon her strength would ebb, she must do what must be done very quickly, rain down her spirit in tiny droplets. Most would die on the ground, but a few would search and find a home of flesh. And so she did it. Diffusing large portions from her, she sent them out like spirit seeds on the wind. One tiny mass swirled above a cemetery. Down, down within its walls, the droplets streaked over narrow stone paths with little houses on each side. 
Raging in the wind, they ripped the stone angels from their foundations, ignoring the bones and bodies that lay smashed and scattered in the seething muck. They flew through the broken mausoleums, sniffing out the foulest reek of all. Finally, the tiny particles of Morgulas came upon that for which they were searching, a stench of agony beyond all others, the graves of the Yellow Death. Long ago, the bodies had been brought to the gates of Lafayette Cemetery Number 1. In simple wooden coffins, they had been left in heaps and stacks. By the hundreds, the coffins had traveled in carts and carriages, lifted in the weakened arms of loved ones who would themselves soon enter the procession of the dead. In that awful summer, the foulness that rose through the fetid mists was unbearable because there were not enough hands to dig the holes. Each year, the Yellow Death had swept the city. Some years, the storm of disease had been mild, no more than a light rain of dying. But then, as though out of hell had come hurricanes of pestilence, in a single year, over 7,000 had fallen. The last of them had been long ago. No one was still alive who carried the memory. But the ground remembered because it always remembers. It remembered all the rotted bodies clumped together, buried deep and unmarked in Lafayette Cemetery Number 1. And it was to these that the tiny droplets of her spirit were drawn. Though older than a century, the stench of yellow fever still lingered. The dust of little children, of the strong, the beautiful, the aged, still cried out from within the mud. Their desiccated flesh brought ecstasy to the particles of the vile thing that swirled above them. With a shriek, they descended through the muck, burrowing, searching for consummation, desperate to join themselves with dirt-blackened blood. And in the depths, they found what they wanted. Rain fell in raging torrents, with debris streaking through the air, an old Toyota mini-truck crawled down an empty street. Huge wheels helped it get through the water, but the raised profile made it a target for the wind. It yawed and teetered. Hunched behind the wheel was a terrified young man struggling to see. The pounding rain made his wipers useless. Over and over he cursed himself. Idiot, jackass, jerk, fool, moron. I'm gonna die, oh crap. I'm such a dork. I'm gonna drown like a filthy rat. Oh, God, help me. If you save me from this, I'll never screw another married woman, I promise. I really mean it, and I'll throw in virgins, too. No virgins. And I'll go to Mass and confession every Sunday. I swear I will. Also, I will never steal another thing. No watches, no wallets, nothing. Just get me out of this, please, God, please. Suddenly, he saw something in the middle of the street and pulled to a stop. What the hell is that? He squinted. It looked like a pile of red cloth. He was about to drive over it when it sat up. It was a woman in a crimson dress. She struggled to get to her knees but couldn't do it and flopped back down. Oh, for crap's sake! Jumping from the truck, the young man fought through the torrent to reach her. In the short distance, he was picked up and almost blown away. Clawing through the watery muck, he lifted her in his arms and struggled to the passenger door. Then he nearly dropped her trying to open it. Finally, he managed to shove her inside and crawl around and jump in himself. <sighs> oh, God. Wiping the filth from his face, he stared at her. She was beautiful, with black hair and dark eyes, 
but she was only half conscious. Her head lolled as she sprawled across the seat. Hey, you all right? Breathing hard, she lifted her head and stared at him. What's the matter with you? She started shivering. So cold, so cold. Sorry, my heater's not working. I think I got a sweatshirt here someplace. Groping under the seat, he dragged out an old pullover. She hugged it to herself. Put it on. She looked down at it as though not sure what to do. Put it on. Here, let me help you. After some struggle, she got into it. We gotta get out of here. If the engine stalls were screwed, throwing the truck in gear, they started crawling down the road. Damn, I can't see a thing. Where am I? What is this? The girl looked around as though she had just awakened. It's a hurricane from hell, that's what it is. I'm dreaming. All of this is a dream. I feel so odd. What happened to you? Why were you in the street? Is that where I was? I can't remember. What did you do? Get wasted? Wasted? Hey, I'm half wasted myself. I've been through four of these mothers and all I needed was a good bottle of scotch. Not for this bitch. We were such idiots. The house we were in, the roof blew off. My jackass friends were so drunk they wanted to stay there. I split. I'm trying to get home, but I'm not sure I'm going to make it. Where do you live? There's no horse. How does it go? I'm dreaming. I'm, I'm really, really ill. My head aches so much. Well, if you're sick and not drunk, why are you out in this? I don't know. I want to go home. Please take me home. Where's home? Comedy house. What street's it on? I... I can't remember. She started crying. Hey, don't cry. Everything's cool. As long as the truck doesn't tip over, I'll get you wherever you need to go. I'm Tony. Tony Thrain. What's your name? Milla, Millicent. Millicent Comedy. Wait, I remember the street. It's Montreux Avenue. My home is on Montreux Avenue. Well, that's right here in the Garden District. It's not far, but at this rate, it's going to take us a while. They were crawling at five miles an hour. A blast of wind shook the truck. You better belt in. What? Seat belt. Buckle in. She just stared at him. You really are out of it. Stopping the truck, he pulled the belt around her and clicked it. She pulled off the sweatshirt. So hot. Burning up. Thirsty. Do you have anything to drink? Well, maybe some water. Once more, he groped under the seat, this time pulling out a half-empty plastic water bottle. Sorry, that's the best I can do. Taking it, she stared at it as though she had never seen anything like it. Finally, she unscrewed the cap and drank it down. Then she lay back and closed her eyes. What's happened to me? I just can't wake up. Her head began to loll. Hey, you aren't going unconscious, are you? Don't go unconscious, Millicent. You really are sick. Maybe I better take you to New Orleans General. I think they were going to stay open. She stared at him. What did you say? I said I better get you to a hospital. No, I want to go home. My parents will take care of me. All right, but you got to stay awake. You black out and you're going straight to the ER. I'll stay awake. Gripping the wheel, he struggled to see through the downpour. Crap, it just doesn't stop. Okay, so Millicent, what kind of work do you do? What do you mean? Well, do you have a job? What do you do? Why do you ask that? Just something to talk about to keep my mind off the fact that we may die. I, I don't have a job. My father is Winston Comedy. Oh, a little rich girl. Well, pardon me. I'm sorry. She started crying again. I just feel so bad. It's all right. I'm not feeling all that great myself. How are you employed? I'm an actor. An actor? She stared at him with a revulsion that he didn't see. Yeah, I'm saving up enough to go to Hollywood, and when I get there, you're going to see me on the big screen. But until then, I got a great day job. 
I'm a bartender at Blue Note Charlie's, and on the weekends I got this little gig picking pockets. What? I do it around the bar. The tourists love it. I pull wallets and watches. Hell, I can take a tie off a guy's neck without him even knowing it. My old man taught me the trade. He was a real pickpocket, worked all the major venues, airports, casinos, theaters. He's in prison. I use what he taught me, but I go legit. I get a hundred bucks a show, plus 50% of everything I steal. That's a joke. I don't really steal anything. I give everything back. I'm so hot at lifting, ever seen a pickpocket work? I don't know why, but chicks love it when I take crap from their purses. I think I'm going to be ill. He stared at her. If you're going to puke, would you stick your head out the window? She turned to the glass and tried to push on it. The button. What? Push the button. Instead, she threw up on the door. Oh man, I just had it detailed. When she was finished, she fell back against the seat. I'm so sorry. Hey, it's not like there's never been puking here before. Looks like you've got a bad case of the flu. Just so hot. He laid his hand on her arm. Whoa, you are toasty. I better get you to a hospital. You need to see a doctor. My father is a doctor. Please just take me home. She closed her eyes. Shaking his head, Tony mumbled, leave it to me to find a crazy sick chick even in a hurricane. It took half an hour, but finally the mini truck pulled onto Montreux Avenue. Even with its huge wheels, the water was up to its axles. Okay, we're on your street. What's your number? The girl opened her eyes. She looked feverish and was breathing hard. My what? Your street number. I don't know. You don't know? I'll know it when I see it. She squinted, trying to see through the glass. A few moments later, she pointed. Over there, I think that's it. Yes, that's the one. Tony pulled to the curb. They were in front of a lovely old mansion. The gate had blown down and a sign next to it whipped in the wind. It read, The Briar Rose Bed and Breakfast. So your folks run a bed and breakfast. A bed and breakfast? The sign. I don't know what that means. I just know this is my house. How do I get out? I want to get out. She was fumbling with the door. Uh, you could try the handle. She couldn't seem to find it. Reaching across, he pulled it up, and she fell out. Hey! Jumping from the truck, he rushed to her, then half carried her up the steps to the door. All the windows in the building were boarded except one that had blown out. He looked inside. Everything was dark. He yelled, I don't think anybody's home! I have to get in! Can you stand up by yourself? She leaned against the wall. Carefully, Tony eased his body through the broken glass, then opened the front door. Millicent stumbled in, but then she took one look and screamed. What's the matter? Everything has changed. What do you mean? The furniture, everything, even the walls. She was shaking uncontrollably. He put his arm around her. Okay, listen, you've got a fever and you're really sick. What have they done to it? What's happened to me? She buried her face in her hands. All right, calm down. When was the last time you were here? Yesterday. I was sick in my bedroom. Let's go to your bedroom. Where is it? Upstairs. Carefully, he helped her to the staircase. When they reached the second floor, Millicent stared in horror. Nothing is the same. How could they do all of this overnight? Slowly, she led them down a long hall to a bedroom door. Tony opened it, and she screamed again. It wasn't a bedroom. It was an office with a large desk and a computer. My bed! Where is my bed? What is this? She slumped to the floor, sobbing. Tony sat down beside her and put his arm around her. Okay, Millicent, let's just think for a minute. You're ill. When you have a high fever, sometimes it makes your brain go wacko. I read that someplace. You know what? We need to get you to a doctor. She looked at him through her tears. Could we go one more place? I have friends who live just down the street. 
If they're home, they'll help me. A lot of people in this area left town before the hurricane hit. Please. All right, but if they're not home, I'm taking you to a hospital, okay? She nodded. Helping her to her feet, they made their way back down the hall. He tried to comfort her. We're going to figure all of this out. Whatever's happened, we'll get you back to your parents, I promise. So what's the name of these friends? The gentleman is one of my father's business partners. His name is Mr. Cornel Moon.